Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the super secret weapon that we don't understand but Dumbledore needs to know about of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who can also use convincingly exasperated voices when the mood suits us. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? I, I enjoy that you've called us out for just weaponizing weaponizing ambiguity. <laughs> I feel like this is something we've turned into an art form in terms of our commentary about this it, book. Uh, it has yes. been years in the making. <laughs> Um, so we are on chapter 32 of the fifth book of Harry Potter, Out of the Fire. We have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap, uh, BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer. We award house points. And then there are questions and queries, period. <laughs> I mean, we don't, yes. we don't have enough of Luna to have quibbles. No, no so quibbles or quibblers um, or quaffles. There are no quaffles today. Mm. Well, in terms of the recap, this is technically a shorter chapter than last yeah, one, but it felt longer. It felt longer. Also, I did my notes several days ago and have forgotten what I was planning on doing with this chapter. <laughs> Understood. Uh, we have a two-minute goal no, here. Yes. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna oh. fly close to the sun, stick my head stick my head in the fire, and I'm gonna go 153. Okay, Icarus, I wish you the best of luck. We'll see how this goes. I also don't remember what my notes are, nor have I practiced them recently. So here we go. Well, as appropriate for the story, try not to wax poetic. We're all going to do it live. Harry shakes off Tofty to find McGonagall, who's been transferred to St. Mungo's, so there's nobody left at Hogwarts to tell. He intercepts Ron and Hermione to tell them what he's seen and figure out how uh, to get to the Department of Mysteries to get serious. They're skeptical about how this could have happened. Hermione thinks Harry might have a bit of a saving people thing. We uh, get some all caps yelling, and Ginny finally appears with Luna, wondering if they can help and indicating that Harry is being rather rude. But Hermione thinks they can help to cause a distraction so they can check if Sirius is still at Grimmauld Place or not, using the fireplace in Umbridge's office. So they come up with a plan, everyone's in place, Jenny keeps people away under threat of garroting gas, the signal is set, and Harry and Hermione make it into the office, Harry shoving his head into the fire and yelling for Sirius. Creature appears instead, immediately informing them that Master has gone out and none of the other order are there either. Creature claims that... Um, Sirius didn't tell him where he was going, but he will not come back from the Department of Mysteries. Before he can ask another word, um, Umbridge yanks him back through the fire by the hair. She's had stealth censoring spells placed around her doorway after Niffler, after the Niffler incidents. Harry tries to claim that he was looking for his firebolt as their wands are taken by Malfoy and crew, who've also got Ron, Jenny, Luna, and Neville, but Umbridge doesn't know who he was talking to. Suspecting it's Dumbledore and not getting an answer, Umbridge sends Malfoy to get Snape. Turns out there was still a member of the Order at Hogwarts. Umbridge wants another bat a bottle of Verda serum, but she's the last one on Harry. Umbridge is furious, puts Snape on probation, and sends him from her office, but not before Harry yells out a warning. He's got Padfoot at the place where it's hidden. Umbridge goes into a little feigned existential crisis before determining it's worth it to use the Cruciatus curse to get information, like she decided it was worth sending the Dementors after Harry to discredit him this summer. Just as she's casting the curse, Hermione breaks in, saying that they'll have to tell her. Everyone else is flabbergasted as she breaks, telling Umbridge that Harry was trying to speak to Dumbledore to get him that uh, to tell him that the weapon is ready. Umbridge is thrilled, demanding to be led to the weapon, so she, Hermione, and Harry take off. Well done, 155. All right. Take that, 
somebody. I don't know who's taken that. <laughs> BJ, BJ, well, take, that. Well. take that. Take that well. and give us your Go from there. So I have a question for everybody. It's not the time for that. Having read this chapter, how many ellipses do you think oh, there were? And how many Uh-oh. M dashes do you think there were? And which do you think there were more of? Um, oh, oh, I just looked at the first page. I think that there were 47 ellipses and <laughs> 32 M dashes. Okay. Uh, Sarah, that's your guess. Yep. Spencer, do you have a... Uh, I'm just going to make up numbers. I'm betting there were more ellipses than M dashes, and I'm going to go with there being 38 ellipses and 22 M dashes. That's adorable. Uh... <laughs> You're not really, you're, you guys are in the same ballpark as each other, but not, not playing the pro leagues like uh, J.K. Rowling does. T- tell us, sir, what numbers did we have? Uh, we had 73 and 81. Uh, Good God. And it was ellipses under M dashes by a solid eight. Wow. Uh, shocking on all counts. <laughs> And again, a shorter chapter than like the last three. Um, yeah, I, as as I was getting towards the end, it it got really aggressive, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Like let let's go back to old form and and look at the punctuation in, <laughs> in this chapter." That is wild! Um, what a chapter it, for it. And it, like it's been building up and has been sort of weighing in on how like how I'm reading this book because I mean we've talked about it before like she clearly uses punctuation as stage directions, Mm -hmm. which is kind of fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot. I mean, it is a chapter of where the first half of it is just Harry yelling at the top of his lungs to other people, which just invites all kinds of punctuation around it. And then there's a lot at the end with Hermione talking. Interrupting. Yeah, you know, and all those things. And it, you know, it's kind of like, okay, whatever. Uh, But also... You can use words to convey the feelings and and how people no. communicate. Um, no. And... You've read enough of these books. You know that is not her style. Uh, I know that is not her style. Uh, it may not be within her ability either. But <laughs> um, and so, uh, Sarah, it, if you are you you have your book, if you would open to to page seven thirty three. Okay. And. Read this paragraph that starts, well, you. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, with the, I'm assuming with the punctuation. Just, just saying when the ellipses are. Not, you don't need to do all the, <laughs> the punctuation. Well, ellipses, uh, you, ellipses. She looked more ap- apprehensive than ever. I mean, ellipses last year, for instance, ellipses in the lake, ellipses during the tournament, ellipses. You shouldn't have ellipses. I mean, you didn't need to save that little Delacour girl, ellipses. You got a bit, ellipses, carried away, ellipses. So the the real thing that we need to take in and understand about these books is that the actors that were playing these characters and often particularly Hermione got this wrong. <laughs> they needed to be more like Christopher Walken. <laughs> I see. Yes. It's very clearly how how it should have been played, and it's, well, you. Well, she looked more apprehensively than ever. I mean, last year, for instance, in the lake. <laughs> could, could we please pay that Walken enough to actually do the audiobook oh my gosh. Of, of, of Harry Potter, please? The best part is, 
he'd put in his own pauses. And oh my god, it would be interminable. <laughs> we'd never finish paragraphs. We'd just get oh lost. Oh my in gosh. The um, I I love that Hermione's calling out Harry for saving people. It is such a she's angry at Harry and doesn't know what else to say, and then is grasping for somebody, and then realizes that for for no particular reason she's probably still pissed at him because she's probably pissed at ron and that's why she brings up flora probably <laughs> and it's just like ron's being an ass and you had to save her she does get to a point we'll, i'll talk about it a little bit on newbie's notes there is an underlying point there I feel like she's making. sure it's just the way she's chosen to make it um and then there's another word that i guess is technically a word it is both a great word and a terrible word because it it's doing something with a with a very good word that I feel like is very lazy, which is sycophantically. And it's just like <laughs> I get it, but you're just like I'll just make it an adverb. It's fine. Like let's just whatever. It's fine. Yeah. The utility of the English language. Yes. And that's how J.K. Rowling approaches words. <laughs> Utility of the English language. Like. <laughs> mm. Ow. Ow. You deserve every bit of it, Spencer. I know what I've done. <laughs> uh, oh, my. I mean, and I, I feel like we get this in every book. The amount of entertaining things in... And, these longer books, I feel like it goes in waves. It goes in waves. Don't... Yeah, we had a chapter a couple of chapters ago, maybe, that was fun. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And so I feel like with these lengthier books, and I, I think very much doing a good job of catering to her aging audience, that this is long, but also let's not be like the last third of the book or, or you know, half of the book now that it's, 800 pages Mm -hmm. or you know close to let's not make basically an entire novel of bad things happening Mm -hmm. let's lighten it up every so often um Mm -hmm. which is fair but also the wheezes get weirder (laughs) (laughs) um i i will say and uh, like i don't know where this needs to be on a wheeze but i'm disappointed in somebody and i don't really know (laughs) who it is Put that, that on a t-shirt, BJ. That is always Disappointed true. in somebody. Somebody. Someone. That garroting gas could be attributed to the Weasleys, because that's not their style. That's And it's it's out of yeah. place, and it's wrong. That's true. And, like, it sh- like, it's a thing that, fine, it, it can exist in the world and, like, whatever, but but it's just, it, it, it has the wrong feel. Mm-hmm. It has the wrong feel for everybody uh, involved in, like, coming up with it. Yes. Right. So. That, 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 that's evil shenanigans. That's not their thing. Yes. All right. On to these notes. Let's do it. I've said it before and I will repeat it every time he shows up. Tofty, just a nice ass dude. <laughs> it's like, it's like Tofty is a softy and it's lovely. It's, he just, he's a pleasant guy. How surprisingly rare is that in this text? I, it's rare enough that I don't believe that it's actually Tofty. It's clearly true. The nicest people we've had yet in the books turned out to be secret Death Eaters or even masquerading people. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it's just uh, Lupin. It's Lupin in a hat. 
Lupin, Lupin is the, the only nice person in the entire books, and he has to fill in every single role. J.K. <laughs> Rowling needs a nice person. It's Lupin in different hats. Did you just assign quantum principles to Lupin that he's just existing as a particle wherever a nice particle is needed at any given moment? <laughs> we have never seen two nice people in the same room. I mean, other than maybe Mrs. Weasley, and she's her own category. It's it's a different nice. Yes. So there's Mrs. Weasley, who is her own, she's the most powerful wizard and nice in a mothering way. And then there's Lupin and there are no other nice people in the same room at the same time. And so- I mean, Arthur Weasley is nice, right? It's not his primary feature though. It's like, you know, if you're assigning characters like a, a key identifier, mm. I wouldn't say nice is Arthur's first identifying character. I guess that's fair. He, he's, and I would also say that he's more kind than nice. He, he's kindly. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's sort of bumbly. He's there's kindly, yeah. but like, I, it, it's, yeah. Um, I mean, there isn't anybody else. I feel like we have, you know, one nice character and that there's another one. It, it's, it, it is Lupin in the hat. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Montague, uh, is that what we're saying? Is that we're pronouncing the Slytherin's name? Montag the Montague, spent... I think. He has quietly had a, a very, very rough book. <laughs> it's like, he has a brief cameo here of where he's still bedridden, getting fed by pomp freaks. Apparently he can't do it himself. Mm -hmm. This guy's had the book from hell. No one's caring about it. No one's bringing him care packages. <laughs> they were laughing at the fact that he spent like a couple days trapped in the plumbing. They were even saying he deserved it. They I mean, even, to be fair, Slytherin's only worth is on their own merits. And so he has very little merit. So by his own definition. <laughs> by injury, his value to the world has been completely eliminated. Uh, meanwhile, McGonagall being in Mungo's... We kind of talked about that. Is that being That's actually kind of a nice little realistic touch of where people coming in the universe getting hit by like five stunning spells at the same time. It is a miracle that she did not mm -hmm. die. And it's notable how much Pomfrey, who is otherwise, even among the professors, kind of a bit character. She doesn't have much of a role, despite the fact people are getting injured right and left in this series all the time. She is professionally pissed about mm -hmm. this. Yeah. And she also... Got, sorry, go ahead. But she's using the same language that Tofty did. It's just rank cowardice. Bad form in that she's implying that McGonagall could just straight taken them if they tried to go at her one at a time. And also that from a pure principle standpoint, she's even pondering resigning. And she would if it were not for the sake of being one of the last sane people in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also th thought it was very interesting that she basically called McGonagall old. She did. Yeah. And I guess I didn't, I didn't expect that. And I don't view her as anywhere near the same category of old that Dumbledore is. Well, but I think that's not really a fair comparison. Dumbledore's entropy in terms of age here. I mean, we're talking father time. Yes. No, he's not as old as some of the some of the people that are administering the test. Yes, we've discussed that a couple chapters ago. <laughs> what, what, what was the professor Bims or something? No, Bims no. is the ghost. Um, it, it's uh, right, yeah, yeah. what's her name? That's friends with uh, Neville's mom. Yeah, Neville's, Neville's grandma. Marchbanks and, yeah, or something. And tested Dumbledore. Indeed, so it was yeah, so, old so when was Dumbledore was at Hogwarts. Okay. Well. Let's assign categories. McGonagall, so, so, old. So regular there old. There are infinities, there, and there are larger infinities than, like, the natural number infinities. <laughs> so Dumbledore is is insanely old, but, like, there's orders of magnitude older than that. And, you know, it's a good mathematical concept. We're fine. 
McGonagall's like 70, Dumbledore's comfortably in the hundreds, and that one professor's actually a lich. is just an undead person wandering the halls. So, I believe it was the, the quote from the page was from the Wikipedia or Pottermore page or wherever it was, was born sometime before 1927. Yes. <laughs> might Wonderfully have, descriptive. Might have administered owls to Godric and, yeah. and, and, and company. <laughs> Footnote, may actually be a highlight. <laughs> uh, there have been frustrating chapters of these books over time. And I'm not saying this is in any way a bad mm-hmm. chapter. But I process this chapter the same way I, wa- I process teen slasher films. Of just every now and then yelling at the screen, Why would you do that? Why would you go in there? There were moments I wanted to pick up Harry by the collar and just shake him vigorously. I've been team Hermione from, like, you know, the first time I met her pretty much going forward, particularly when the main points of comparison are, you know, Harry and sure. Ron. But she's just channeling my thoughts on this, <laughs> of where I think her views and her commentary on, you know, Harry jumping to action mirror my concerns. Can, you know, Harry and his planning make no sense here. I mean, Hermione points out that how much sense does it make that, Vumble, don't, that Voldemort and the Death Eaters are just in the ministry right now? Very fair question. That doesn't make much sense, particularly without anybody knowing. Why is Sirius even in the Ministry right now? Why would he be there? Why is he in any way integral to, you know, accessing this relic? Ron and Harry quickly go full conspiracy theory to invent an answer to that question that makes no sense, but they need to fit to fill in the blank. She points out, and this is kind of what you were talking about before about her referencing that story about Harry res- rescuing uh, Delacroix's sister Sorry. from mm-hmm. the lake. Before sister from the lake, that don't you have a well-known and very exploitable history of kind of being a Don Quixote? Doesn't doesn't the enemy know that, and can't they also use that to their to their advantage? Isn't this exactly what everyone has been trying to train you not to do in terms of having a vision and acting on it? Okay, so but to be fair, including serious notably, the assumption that the great evil wizard is relying on the fact that. Harry has shown up and saved some students and stuff like that in his like grand evil plan seems a little the only data points that Voldemort has on Harry from like the moment he met him as a baby and just you know exploded from being near him is Harry just randomly showing up at the 11th hour to thwart his evil plans that's all Voldemort's (laughs) exposure to Harry is is that Harry shows up you know in the uh, in the uh what what um these philosophers mm-hmm. though wasn't it uh i forget the name of the chamber where that was kept in but that's the secret chamber <laughs> the mirror of erised wherever that was at the bottom of hogwarts just shows up at the last moment and just kills him then he shows up in the middle of a maze just when he's happening to be resurrected just there also, well he, again, it, that was planned that one was planned because <laughs> they needed harry for that true uh, Voldemort himself wasn't literally there for it, but also Harry, you know, Harry meeting the Voldemort, the angry Voldemort book. Uh, also uh, planned. They were trying him. to get Harry down there. Were they mm-hmm. trying to get him down there? Because that wasn't Voldemort directly. That was just the, really just the, the book doing its own well, thing. Well, that, that was... I, the, Tom. Tom. That, that was Tom Riddle. I'm, that, that was the angriest journal. I'm spitting over things I shouldn't say. Uh, yeah. Well... <laughs> Just we'll just say this: it's a riddle. It's a riddle, um, but there was a force aligned with Voldemort that did plan okay. to get him down 
Spencer, into the I'm chamber not going to quarrel with you any further. It, it is a, Voldemort, from Voldemort's perspective, Harry, either by action or intent, shows up at the at the, at the last moment. It uh, yeah, it has worked thus far. Yeah. Also, I think I think one of the best comments that's offered here, the everybody doesn't even did this one. Just Luna waltzes in and offers this question: How exactly are you planning on getting to the bottom floor of the mystery of the chamber of mysteries anyway? And Harry just dodges the shit out of that question, just because. Yeah. That's a foundational one that he has no answer no. to right now. No. I have a question, Sarah. Yes. Where is the map? The Marauder's map? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. It would have been really useful here. Uh, yeah, if, if you ever want to know where Umbridge is. Yeah. And I, feel, I thought it was returned to Harry after it got confiscated. It was. Anyway. Harry doesn't even remember that Snape's in the Order of the Phoenix. Here. Which is a, like low-key a hilarious moment of this chapter. It's like, I have no one I can turn to. All of the Order is out of, is out of contact. He also doesn't know other members of the Order, so he could call them potentially if he's just calling people. But the fact he just forgets that Snape is an option is A, delightfully in mm-hmm. character. They have no relationship, nor does he want to maintain one. And B, imminently frustrating that it's in character. Yes. Uh, I do, you know, all that aside, Ginny just not taking no shit is always lovely, and that is definitely <laughs> a key aspect of her character. If she just walks in, asks how everyone's doing, Harry's just tries to tell her off, and she just stares him the hell down. It's like, you said what to me? <laughs> Rephrase that and let's start again. Uh, if nothing else, though, in spite of all this, this chapter does prove that Harry is an incredibly loyal cadre of diehard friends, that only is continuing to grow. Now we've basically doubled their numbers with Ginny, Luna, and Neville all joining among his ride-or-die posse. I have one question. You already have asked several questions, but sure. Yes, but it's not a Sarah question. Oh. It's it's just why. Like, why does does anybody hang around Harry? Like, he's not not even playing Quidditch anymore. Like... (laughs) Real-life question. Have you ever met somebody where you actually have the feeling that, hey, this guy is the main character? <laughs> there, I, I have met people like that. We have a mutual friend that is kind of like that. And at a certain point, you just kind of want to circle them because things happen. <laughs> you you no, recognize you the main character. you want to get away from them because things happen and keep them out of <laughs> trouble sometimes. I voluntarily lived with one of these people for four years. I clearly don't have the same mindset on this as you do. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Hermione also, uh, this is just, I think, a nice little subtle moment on her part. Hermione frames that she wants to be in the room with Harry to provide emotional support Mm -hmm. when he's, you know, trying to reach out to Sirius. The unsaid statement is she also doesn't trust him to offer anything resembling a logical analysis of whatever the hell he hears on this call. That is also fair, yes. So she also wants to be there to assess that because at this point Harry is at best on tilt. (laughs) This call may be recorded for quality control. (laughs) (laughs) My manager is here to observe the call right now to offer a live commentary. Uh, I'm BJ, I'm also with you. Uh, Gordon Gas is a, an evil-ass alliteration that has no business being in any resemblance, you know, anything resembling hijinks. <laughs> yeah. Best as we can tell, this is just mustard gas. This is the World War One chlorine gas that you release in a hallway. Because based on Jenny's description, if you go in there, you just die. You're dead. People will laugh at your corpse for you being dumb and walking into the poison gas. Yeah. That's not a ha-ha-ha funny. 
I mean, it also might be a little bit more of her opinion of some of her brother's friends <laughs> and maybe how some of them have gone wrong. So she might have a little bit more sure. insight. I'm um, also, now that we've talked about it a little bit more, I am very disappointed that with Dumbledore's army being a thing that we're just never going to talk about because it's only a thing when it needs to be a thing. All of the wizard wheezes that the Weasleys have produced are wonderful things to have in your back pocket if you need to do things like kind of under the radar or cause disruptions why didn't they take advantage of this as as the angel investor like i mean i know that he wasn't gonna think ahead enough and hermione's like weird about it but like it's frustrating that she doesn't go oh wait a minute maybe we should have some of these as part of dumbledore's army not as like Tanks that we play. Well, for only three payments of nineteen ninety-five, you can have the <laughs> latest set of their particular wizard wizards. Ah, that stuff invention. <laughs> uh, so, so, Spencer, do you know how much the uh, cheapest uh, wizards cost? No. These nuts. Thank you, BJ. I know it's pronounced nuts, but anyway. I'm with you. Uh, so, so, creature with bandaged hands and a delighted expression on his face. Uh, this could mean anything, and Harry demonstrates himself as being a piss-poor interrogator. Yeah. That he effectively is giving away information rather than getting anything from Creature, and he's giving away information to a Creature that actively... Creature. That actively <laughs> wants to hurt you. Uh, at any point that you... He gives Creature lines, and Creature just repeats them back at him. We don't know this is true. We don't know this is accurate. We have no way of knowing anything about this. Creature just wants to be, you know, a cre- a, an agent of chaos, and you're giving him an opportunity. Harry, learn your interrogation skills. You're going to need them at some point, <laughs> particularly if you want to be an or, I'm sure. Uh, and as for Umbridge, predictable that she isn't that level of a fool that they can do the same trick on her twice. It It is within her character that she is paranoid enough that she'd be able to learn from her mistakes and take steps to correct them. Not learn from new issues. She's going to make new mistakes going forward, but old mistakes, she'll at least fix those, and this is one of them. Uh, and her chorus of Slytherin toadies is the utterly worst part of the entire scene. Uh, Sarah's you highlight, though. Umbridge is, descel- is descending to entirely new levels of villainy that we did not know that she plumbed. I mean, she throws Harry into a desk for physical violence to start, she uses the goddamn Cruciatus curse, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe those are among the list of unforgivable Wait, curses that one's supposed she? to use. She threatens to. She's going she is to. about so to, yeah. Hermione directly intervenes. Uh, well, so the reason that I bring it attempted up... Attempted murder is still attempted murder. The reason that I bring it up is... And and I'm, I will be curious to see this, and I'm sure, Sarah, like you actually have the answer, uh, which is a little disappointing. <laughs> do we ever see Umbridge do magic on the page because i think she says that she had her office warded Mm -hmm. but doesn't say that she warded her office yeah and i don't i can't think of her doing magic on page and i've sort of like hinted at this theory before talked about this a little Um, bit and she uses a lot of like magic things and i talked about her possibly being a squib but that was confirmed that she's not actually a squib mm-hmm. but i i will be curious going forward and i will try and remember does she Make use those. magic on page okay we we heard that she used magic so as to interfere with the process of one of the weasleys's pranks and I don't know we, if we also saw it on the page though hear that she was not able to clear up a lot of their magic or 
Hermione's uh, spell. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may have already, you know, happened, and then, you know, I, I don't remember all the details, but it, it would be, it would make me so happy if that was a thing in the books that yeah. he doesn't use magic on page, and because it's a weakness that she could never get over. Do you? I mean, do you want the answer, or do you want? Uh, no, I don't want. I, I, I want. I want to remember because either it's not going to be on the page and that'll be interesting or it will be on page and I hope it's interesting Mm -hmm. when it's on page. Um, Because if it hasn't occurred yet, when it actually occurs, I hope it's interesting Mm -hmm. and it'll be worth noting when it happens. Mm -hmm. That's my hope. Okay. But it'd be very funny if like many other things, (laughs) it's just, oh, all right. In terms of her other misdeed, Sending Dementors after a person, she frames this as being a intense effort at discrediting Harry in front of the broader wizarding community so as to get him to seek some element of punishment or expulsion from Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Another way of referring to this is an assassination attempt. These are violent, dangerous creatures that kill things. That's what they do. That's what they damn near did with respect to Harry and his cousin. I don't know that they know that. I don't know that she knows that, I guess is what I mean. So... Uh, Dementor's kiss is well known, I think. Yes, but I think that I don't know if she said to or not to, like, try and kiss Harry, but I I think that the amount of control that people have on Dementors is uh, vastly overrated uh, and uh, overassumed. And this is one of those questions that, like, goes to the sort of, like, evil, evil or kind of banal evil evil. right because like we have gotten a lot of indications that at least fudge says that he believes that they have control over the dementors right right and a lot of other people don't like believe that yes that that there is some control but they are also much more evilly aligned than everybody expects yeah um this is more like instead of Operation Paperclip, they just took the Gestapo and put them in the CIA. Um, so the other thing that I find interesting is that we get more confirmation that Umbridge doesn't really understand the power of magic and magic things because there's this weird interaction with her and Snape mm-hmm. about uh, the uh, Veritas era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, what are you doing using one of the most powerful potions that basically only I can make and thinking that you, like you clearly thought you knew better, you don't, and you're an idiot. And it's also a thing of where Snape made it idiot proof. He gave her instructions. She no, messed... did not make it idiot proof. Very clearly, Spencer. <laughs> He made it. He made it what should have been idiot proof. She just listened to his instructions. It was just like put three drops in there, and she instead dumps the entire vial. She is That's... the reason that all potions made by Snape from now on carry a warning label that say off pre- off instruction use of this potion. <laughs> it does not make the the maker liable. <laughs> so this is one of the like small changes that I really like between the books and the movies. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like. In this moment, the explanation is that um, she was using Veritaserum on all of the suspected members of Dumbledore's army to try to get mm-hmm. them to give up information instead of this so sort of like dumb. Yeah. 
I mean, I like both. I think that they're very different directions. I think mm-hmm. my guess is, and this will frustrate me, is it doesn't carry through. That like this, like there are just some holes in the like how she is evil, as opposed mm. to like in the movies, it's like she's competent in yeah. her evilness. Yeah. And here, it seems like she's incompetent, but I assume that's going to change. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's essentially it would be really nice if she just were this side of a squib enough to like go to Hogwarts, but doesn't have any feel for any magic because she's like not magical enough Mm -hmm. and so the potions sort of work but like all of her potions just like were watered down basically (laughs) because she just like wasn't good enough and that's why she's evil and so whenever she does something it's completely wrong because she can't accept the fact that she's not competent and so like it's the root of her evil and it's also the root of her misuse of the veritaserum like over like crazy use of the pen uh and a lot of these other magic items that clearly somebody else created and they're actually effective now Mm -hmm. it's not how it's going to be anyway what as part of that moment though one thing i do actually i do love consistently about snape is that he will be helpful in only his own way (laughs) and a lot of that involves a certain element of using snark and disdain as a kind of conversation aikido of where he is just using those as a certain element of distraction to eventually get where he wants to go of where he doesn't want to appear helpful. He doesn't want, just practically speaking, because he's kind of undercover, and also practically he doesn't want Harry to think he's actually being a nice guy at any point. Mm-hmm. But throughout this conversation, he successfully avoids helping um, Umbridge to any degree, to which she actually puts him on probation, which was an interesting call on her part when the sole basis of your support is his students. Interesting call. BJ, you have something, something to say there? Uh not per se, but you're bringing up Aikido in uh, his abilities in conversation just made me realize uh, who Umbridge is. Go on. She's evil Steven Seagal. Sure. Yeah, that could work. Very, very confident in all of her abilities and will tell other people how to do the things that she does <laughs> and instruct them and tell them how well it works and also probably runs funny. Mm. That too. I mean, Twain also, you know, thwarting Umbridge's plans, at least in the moment, and also clearly understanding Harry's message, even if Harry seems up, seems to be concerned on that point. If I was Harry, I'd be more concerned whether he's going to do anything about it whether, rather than whether he understands. Uh, but also just saving Neville very casually, but doing so in the most Snape way possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, yeah, as I highlight, punishing Snape for being deliberately unhelpful is a very short-term decision on on Umbridge's part that seems like something that's being driven from anger because again the sole basis of her support is Slytherin our Slytherin members our our various enforcement or inquisitorial team they're loyal to Snape more than anything else at this school if you start to undermine him now come on BJ I know you're shaking shaking your head but I think it's notable here that not a single one of them laughed not a single one of them chuckled. Not a single one of them served as the evil little chorus that they otherwise are for every other aspect of what Umbridge was doing. Here, we don't get a single description of what they're doing, and I just kind of picture them with kind of like stone-faced silence at seeing their, you know, teacher, their headmaster, effectively, of, of their house, right? That's what's Yeah, I, th- that's what I was going to say, is like, I don't think that they're loyal to S- Snape, but he embodies yeah. so many of the Slytherin ideals, and they're probably also afraid of him. I imagine that Snape is not a kind warm and fuzzy (laughs) um 
and might provide some extra lessons with <laughs> that might cause bruises. I mean, like it. I think it's much no uh, much more of a they they don't have loyalty. They have fear and maybe some respect if they know what that means. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, as for Hermione, you absolute genius. Well, well played, my dear. Well played. She, it's particularly so because it's playing off the well-known prejudices and biases and conspiratorial mindset of the character she's seeking to manipulate. It operates on that perfectly. She uses just the buzzwords of Dumbledore, weapon, and potential losing control of students. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all you need to say. Just give her, just give Umbridge those cliff notes, and she will dance to whatever tune you want her to. So the question is, will this be more or less uh, disastrous than the other promise of Weapons of Mass Destruction? Uh, Because while I agree with you, it is a really good diversion tactic. It also, this feels like it could be sealing Dumbledore's fate. I think Dumbledore's fate's pretty much sealed as is. I I don't think there, for example, I don't think there's a weapon. I also think that Armani doesn't have a plan here. Right. No, no, but I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't know how many people are behind Umbridge at the ministry. I don't. I think that she has a very long leash because uh, Fudge is afraid of Dumbledore, and she she doesn't have anything. She doesn't have anything from any of the students or Dumbledore or anybody up until now. When a student in Dumbledore's army says that he has a weapon. What well, besides, of course, Dumbledore to the minister's face confessing to all of the crimes, <laughs> then knocking out two aurors, and then ex- exiting in a flash stage left. Well, what was it? Riding a phoenix or something? It's yes. Impressive. Yeah. He's got style. Yeah, that's but, always been apparent. But that was also very sarcastic. There is no not, way not that that the was way not Fudge is going to pick up. Yes, Maybe. but not in a way that Fudge is going to understand. Fudge published that just as the straight-up narrative, and now that's the story by which he's America's most wanted. <laughs> uh, as for where they're going to go, I don't know. I don't think Hermione has a plan here other than to buy time. If I had to guess, given the amount of time we've spent there, they're going to the Old Forest. Well, where else are they going to go? As, you know, she keeps buying time, maybe she can turn it around. <laughs> No, we've already used that artifact, BJ. We can't ever see it again. <laughs> and we had to give it back. We had I'm to give su- it back. I'm, sus- I'm suspecting a certain giant in the forest may prove useful here in a moment, and that could, in any other book, that would be nightmarish for what would, what would go down mm-hmm. from that. Well, we did have a gopping plot hole, so we need to fill it with something. I, I, I do love when a character is behaving so stupidly that Malfoy publicly calls you out for it. Like, Malfoy's not an idiot, but I don't I don't assign him to the top legions of intellect here. And in the moment, he is straight up saying, maybe someone else should go with you, right? <laughs> not Possibly. him. He is afraid of the forest. Maybe, maybe well established, yeah. Yes. It's like, how about you take Crab or Goyle? Like, they're too dumb to be afraid of the forest. It's fine. How about you... How about you take one of the five orrs you had around just a chapter ago? Where'd they go? That's a question I would like to not <laughs> revisit in question time. <laughs> but right now, though, let's discuss the house cup. Yeah, this is uh, kind of a, once again, a little bit of a weird chapter for winners and losers. Um, I mean, other than personally being a loser, I think Umbridge has a good chapter. I think she does... She just doesn't know that she's an idiot. She doesn't know that she... Yeah, she doesn't seem... Hmm. Yeah, she doesn't know that she's an idiot. 
she was on the precipice of not having a great chapter because nobody was fessing up to what she wanted them to fess up to. But by the time yeah. we leave this chapter, she believes that she is on her way to look at the like, mythical weapon. I feel like from a Greek mythology standpoint, if you're going to be punished for hubris, you've got to go up high first. And so she's going to get punished. She's going to get smacked down hard, possibly even the next chapter. But for that to work, she needs to be at the top of her game right yeah. now. And from her perspective... There's been no more winning than this. So, yeah, I'm convinced as for with Umbridge as a winner of the chapter. Um, I mean, and to be fair, like, the words in the chapter indicate that she has, she's winning. She's She's winning. Like, she's been leading off into a goose chase right now, but it's not like, I mean, I guess we can, like, look into the future and be like, there's probably going to be something no, that, but like, she, they get she out of No, but she doesn't this. know that. Um, right, but also we don't know We that. don't know that either. No, we're presuming. No, we're, right. Yes. Um, okay, so Umbridge is winner. Loser, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Harry? I feel like it could be Harry. I mean, he almost got the Cruciatus curse used on him if Umbridge is capable of such a thing, which I suppose Snape. we actually don't know either. Snape? Because he has to go Snape's make a be... bunch of Veritas serum. He, he has to make a bunch of Veritas serum. He's on probation. That's he true. Has to, he basically has to help Harry now. <laughs> he is Harry's only hope. Nightmare. No, but like seriously, yeah. this is this is a bad chapter with for you. Snape. That's true. I, I think you're absolutely, I think you're absolutely right, BJ. Snape, loser of the chapter. Snape is supposed to be such a fascinating character where he can be what would normally be the great hero of the story that comes in and rescues the main character, and he's going to be so unhappy he's about so it. He's so mad. He has to do shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which, honestly, same, bud. <laughs> mm. Mm. I feel you. I, I don't disagree. If, if, if I had to help Harry in this situation, it would be a nightmare of a chapter for me. Like, this is, this is a... You seriously broke into her office again and got caught yep. doing something that you could have just asked literally anybody else. And uh-huh. now I have to make a one of the most complicated potions of all time. And she's upset with me because she's an idiot. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is this is not a good Bad. character. <laughs> yeah. I sincerely hope that none of the other professors are sending McGonagall letters because if she gets this update while she's oh in my one God. Of those, she may just roll over and die. <laughs> it's a howler. Oh boy. Um, questions? Questions? I really don't have many, honestly. There's not. I feel like there's not a whole lot to question in this chapter other than like, hey, is there a weapon? I ha- I have I have. It's questions. a roller coaster. All right, BJ. So. We've talked a lot about (laughs) unforgivable curses. Uh Yes, but this is like asking Sarah question questions. Okay. Unforgivable curses, yes. Right. So, first of all, uh, why you would ever not, like, kill somebody after you use one is kind of wild. But the... I, I get that they're unforgivable and, and they're sort of outlawed, but like if there's no, there, there doesn't seem to be any real enforcement. If, if this seems like a thing that she could do and... Like, it's not wild to her. Mm -hmm. Like, something else has to be going on. And I guess sort of the question is, like, I guess, and this is probably a completely wrong concept that I have because that's most of what happens with my my concepts of what's (laughs) happening and this book, these books. Mm. But my, my thought was that there was some amount of information that other, like, that the ministry could glean about unforgivable curses. Like... 
there was there was basically something similar to the underage wizard doing magic mm-hmm. for unforgivable curses. Um, almost like a gunshot residue. Yeah, or either gunshot residue or a. Uh, you know, uh, uh, like a tracker spell, compass, of, or something. Yeah. That's just like somebody's doing something terrible. Nope. Interesting. That that seems like they've wasted all of their magic detecting abilities <laughs> on on eleven year olds. Correct. <laughs> huh? When does that turn off? Uh, when you come of age. Is it is it an enchantment that's placed on children? Or is it a department that is just choosing, electing to not monitor once you reach a certain age? There is a lot of information about that later. <laughs> oh, okay. That actually becomes weirdly relevant. Oh, yeah. So, Sarah, okay. if, so, if a wizard were born on February 29th. Uh huh. <laughs> finish the thought, BJ. No, he really doesn't when- have to. <laughs> When would they get their letter to Hogwarts? I think when they are 11. I don't know. Regardless of whether their birthday is a yes. card. Well, are they 11? That's that's a question for the philosophers, BJ. Because because <laughs> Harry got the letter on his birthday. He did. And that's when they're sent out. Correct. And 11 is not a, divisible by four in any stretch of anybody's imagination. Although, actually, no. I think Harry just happened to get his on his birthday. I don't think they, you necessarily get yours on your birthday. Um, oh, that's interesting. Because they've been trying to deliver it to him for a yeah. while. What happens if you turn 11 during the school year? Are, 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 like, is it like... I think it's you have to be 11 to enter into Hogwarts. So you could always get it on your birthday. Yeah, but I don't think they do send it on your birthday. I think they send it over the summer beforehand. That's fair. He just happened to have a birthday at the right time. Yeah, so and this happened to be a kind the... of birthday present for him. Yeah. I don't know. I guess... We could say that Hagrid's kind. I think Hagrid's kind. Nice. Yeah. I think it was the nice, nice, kind distinction. Yes. Um, I was just thinking like, oh, somebody tried to do something nice for Harry. Hagrid did a nice thing. And Hagrid frequently does nice things. Well, Hagrid does things that he thinks are nice. He, his intentions are good. (laughs) The problem with Hagrid is he's undiscerning. He's nice to everyone and everything. (laughs) Yes. And assumes and that, that everything is... and everyone else is nice as well. The Hagrid, universe Hagrid would be a nicer is, place. is a paver. <laughs> he has good intentions and he goes at it full force. Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right, Spencer, your your favorite part of uh, oh, yes. these podcasts. We get to look at a picture. Our next and chapter. And then we get to, to is, laugh is this one all... at the... Is this one all Wizard of Oz again? Uh, well, we can't see the road underneath them. I suppose it might be yes. yellow and brick. <laughs> I forget how short Umbridge is. Yeah, she is. When they yes. described her as toad-like, they meant it. So forget, forget how tall Hermione is. There's a character in um, a lot of different things, and she was an animated character, I want to say, in Monsters, Inc. or something. Like yes, the, yep, I know who you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that was, well, that that was afterwards. But I feel like there was something before that had like that cat-eyed, cat-eyed glasses, mole on the face, mm-hmm. short, squat, angry lady that that's, that Umbridge is, old, is drawing from. That's an old trope. That's an old trope right there. So it is. I just can't think of like 
the earlier instances of it. It it doesn't necessarily have to be old and unattractive, but it's been done in various ways around mm-hmm. that. Um, it also does remind me of the uh, teacher in Men in Black that is yelling at the the students um, with the similar from, from, like cat on glasses mm-hmm. and what from from Jupiter, uh, one of the moons, that one. Yes, that one. See, Spencer, well, it, it's a great movie, and it's worth quoting all the time. I I was the one who agreed with you. <laughs> anyway. As for this picture, the three of them are, are hiking off. I think I'm right that they're going into the old forest, but that one wasn't too surprising. They've spent like half the book there in different ways. <laughs> they're off to see the weapon, the wonderful weapon of Dumbledore. The chapter is called Fight or Flight, if our audience would like to know. <laughs> chapter 33. Uh, well, y'all, I don't know what the weapon is. It plainly is in the old forest. We will find out next chapter, and I'm excited to know that. Bye, guys. Bye.